Reader's Digest presents Hollywood 360 with your host, Carl Amari. Who's that strange looking man behind you? That's Carl. I met him at the laundry man. Sam Spade Detective Agency. Sam, sweetheart. I don't know what to do, Rabbi. Every night he listens to the radio. I can't keep him away. The Lone Ranger, uh, the Shadow, the Master Avenger. Uh, this is not good. It tends to induce bad values, false dreams, lazy habits. Want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Guys! 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 Fellas, think we could listen to the radio or something? Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents all things entertainment, including showbiz news, classic radio shows, movie reviews, trivia contests, and celebrity interviews. This hour on Hollywood 360, I'll present a classic radio Christmas tale well calculated to keep you in suspense, starring Eddie Cantor. But it's time now for a quarter-hour episode of Vic and Sade, titled June Christmas Card Pressure from June 18, 1940. Here's Vic and Sade. Well, sir, it's late afternoon as our scene opens now, and here in the living room of the small house halfway up in the next block, we find Mrs. Victor Gook and young Mr. Rush Gook. The latter is seated on the Davenport, industriously plying needle and thread to the ripped seam of an indoor baseball. His mother, who has just this moment arrived home from a downtown shopping expedition, stands beside the library table gazing dangerously at an object on top. And she's saying, What on earth is this? Christmas card sample book. Where did it come from? Ain't it yours? Mine? I thought one of your Christmas card salesmen left it. Miss Harris or Miss Wheeler or Miss Scott or Miss Scott. Is Gav home? Uh huh, upstairs. What doing? Changing clothes. He's taking supper with Mr. Buller at the Butterhouse Hotel this evening. Dick? He must have brought this. Well, I certainly didn't. Hi, hi, kiddo. Be right down. Now, who in the name of Detroit, Michigan is trying to sell us Christmas cards? I haven't the slightest idea. I thought it was about time somebody started putting the pressure on again. Been a long, long lull. Christmas card people haven't bothered us for over a month. But when they start, they really start. Mr. Erickson buttonholed me this noon, and just now I found a postal card from Aunt Bess in the mailbox. Christmas greetings? Both of them. Never rains, but it pours. Tomorrow, probably Miss Wheeler and Miss Scott and Miss Harris and the rest of the Christmas card tribe will come around. Gov brought this sample book home, huh? I guess he must have, if you didn't. Oh, person gets so tired of this business. Huh. Did Horseshoe Nail tell you my plans for this evening, Sadie? Yeah. I'm dining in the fashionable purple room of the Butler House Hotel as a guest to Mr. Bullet. <laughs> he kind of left you and me out in the cold. We don't get to take nourishment out in high society. We have to stay home and eat in the kitchen. Hmm. Buller arrived on the 345, broke down and offered to set me up to dinner at the Butler House. I telephoned you from the office to tell you to cook for just you and Cowpasture, but nobody answered. This uh, necktie go okay with this suit. Whose sample book? Buller's. Is he in the Christmas card business? His little niece is. And we're supposed to patronize his little niece? That's the general idea. His little niece is the apple of his eye. I was asked to bring that catalog home and submit it to your inspection. Rush, out in the dining room on the buffet. Go fetch Aunt Bess's postal card. No. This necktie go okay with this suit, kiddo? I wish to dazzle the beautiful girls in the purple room tonight. I want to see them nudge each other and whisper excitedly about the handsome man with the sad eyes who so elegantly butters his bread and so delicately eats corn on the cob. Your collar's all squeegeed funny in the back. Uh, really? I'll adjust it for whiskey. Well, you going to buy Christmas cards off in Buller's? 
It might be a very wise procedure. Buller is a pretty important man in my firm, and it behooves me to keep him happy. Yes, I think I'd best play Read ball. Read that out loud, Rush. Okay. Listen to this. Tidings from Carberry, huh? Yes. Uh, dear Sister Ann All, thought I would write and see how you are feeling. We are fine, and Waller's kneecap has let up considerable on the twinges. I wrote you so recent, there's really nothing new I've got on my mind to say. But I thought, here it is, June, and maybe I better hurry up and remind you that I'm still head of the Christmas card committee for the church. I'm mailing you our sample book, and you should get it soon. Well, that was all. Right when you can. Love to Victor and Rush. Bess. I found it in the mailbox when I got home just now. Huh. And on top of that, our beautiful landlord buttonholed me today. Christmas cards? Yes, Christmas cards. Huh. Like I was just saying to Rush here, never rains but it pours. The darn Christmas card people have laid off on us for a month, but it's just been the lull before the storm. When they strike, they strike all at once like a pack of wolves. Not that Bess is any pack of wolves, of course, but... It seems like everybody and their brother jumps out of a clear sky. Yeah, I recognize the catalog. (laughs) The salesman sells enough Christmas cards and they put his name in his hat with gold letters. Oh, so they give him an hour's free parking space. Mm. Uh, We will park your automobile for a period of 60 minutes in the downtown section of Toledo, Ohio, absolutely free. Oh, many, many, many times I've listened to that. Are you going to patronize, Bullard? I don't see how I can gracefully refuse. He dotes on that little niece of his. I dote on this little sister of mine. I dote on this little landlord of mine. I dote on this little friend of mine. I dote on the little garbage man of mine. I dote on all these little neighbors of mine. They all sell Christmas cards. The whole caboodle. Can we buy from all of them? The problem don't strike me as being so enormous, say. Don't it? No. Hey, some of these are familiar. Merry Christmas, you flat-footed ox. What's old Santa Claus going to put in your socks? If I had a face like yours, I'd go jump in the lake. Your brother's a half-wit. Your uncle's a fake. (laughs) All through the year, spring, summer, fall, and winter, we have to go through the same darn nonsense. person gets tired of it. Here's another old favorite. Slap me in the face with a wreath of holly. Give me a kiss and let's be jolly. The Yuletide season is full of fun. If you eat any more pudding, you'll weigh 16 tons. (laughs) A wistful sentiment. Fragile and fugitive. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. You determined to buy Christmas cards off and board? Well, determined is rather a strong word. Well, Christmas card orders run us around $10 every year. Does Buller's niece being in the business mean we have to whip out another $10 bill? Oh, Buller's I'm niece. I'm about to buy from Bess, my own sister, and for the church and all. And then there's Mr. Erickson. He's our landlord and has to be rubbed the right way or he'll shortchange us on improvements around the house and stuff. Miss Scott next door will be sore and touchy and mean for months if I don't buy her Christmas cards. And you know how I am about being on the house with next-door neighbors. And there's Miss Harris across the alley. I owe her favors by the bushel. Can I refuse to buy her Christmas cards? And Miss Wheeler up the street. She feels I ought to be a Christmas card customer of hers because we're both in the thimble. And Mr. Gumpox. He needs the business more than anybody. He's done more odd jobs and run more errands than I could pay him back for in eight years. Why, George, there are angles to this. Angles by the gallon. Keeps me awake at night thinking about him. And it's also kind of halfway ridiculous. This is summertime. This is June. 
Why should a person lose sleep over Christmas cards when Christmas is six months away? I don't know. Well, my heart just sank when I saw that sample card book there on the library table. You're not very pretty and you're not very smart. But I hope you enjoy the holiday season, and that's a wish straight from the heart. (laughs) (laughs) Funny thing is, the whole crowd represents that same rotten Christmas card company. Mm -hmm. Mr. Buller, Miss Wheeler, Miss Scott, Mr. Erickson, Bess, Miss Harris, and Mr. Gumpox. Grandpa Snyder and Hank Gutstock. Yeah, Grandpa Snyder and Hank Gutstock. The whole gang working for that crazy Toledo, Ohio outfit. Mm. Isn't there any other firms that sell Christmas cards? Sure, but the other firms don't give their salesmen free parking space in Toledo, Ohio, or paste their names in their hat for them. Mm. What was that last idiotic thing you read off? Uh, you're not very pretty and you're not very smart. <laughs> but I hope you enjoy the holiday season, and that's a wish straight from the heart. Well, I wouldn't send that to a horse. Here's a better one. Santa Claus reindeers come over the hill. I think I'll roast a turkey and eat my fill. I look like a baboon, and I got no sense. When are you going to pay me the $2 you owe me, George? Oh, that, don't that even rhyme? No. Perhaps it has a deep, subtle meaning, a hidden significance of great beauty that don't at first meet the eye. <laughs> I suppose. Say, Rush mentioned Hank Gustav a minute ago. He's another Christmas card guy you got to patronize, ain't he? I generally patronize Hank, yeah. Well, how much worth of Christmas cards you buy off them last year? The bill, if I recollect correctly, was in the neighborhood of ten berries. All right. Ten berries. I spent ten berries, too. Just for the fun of it, let's figure out what we'd have to spend to patronize everybody we feel like we ought to patronize this year. Okay. Uh, Listen, in Mr. Buller's case, though, let's remember that he holds a lofty position in the Consolidated Kitchenware Company. And when he wants me to do him a favor... Well, let's start off with Mr. Buller. Mr. Buller, $10. It's his niece, you know, that's actually in the business. No, Mr. Buller's niece, $10. Hank got stopped. Hank got stopped, $10 more, $20. And Bess. $10 more, $30. Mr. Erickson. $40. Miss Harris. $50. Miss Scott. $60. Uh, Miss Wheeler. $70. I guess that's all the Christmas cards. And Mr. Gumpton. Oh, sure. $80. <laughs> God. Ain't that fine, though? Uh-huh. $80. Mm. For Christmas cards. Mm. And everybody mad at each other. Uh. And us having to worry about it in June. Uh. Worrying and fretting and stewing about Christmas cards in June. Mm. Here's a pretty good one. During the Yuletide season, we eat lots of goose and cranberry sauce and take chances on getting fat. Get off my foot, you son of a gun, or I'll hit you in the head with this baseball bat. Which concludes another brief interlude at the small house halfway up in the next block. All right, that's Vic and Sade, uh, some of the greatest writing. And uh, on that show, I tell you, I just it takes a little getting used to, Lisa, but it's fantastic stuff. June 18th, 1940, June Christmas card pressure on Vic and Sade. Let's take a break. Then it's suspense. Stick around. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari, brought to you by Reader's Digest. Suspense was conceived as a potential radio vehicle for Alfred Hitchcock to direct. It was a series of epic proportions, Lisa. It aired on CBS from 1942 to 1962, and is considered by many, including me, to be the best mystery drama series of the Golden Age. Billed as radio's outstanding theater of thrills, it focused on suspenseful thrillers starring the biggest names in Hollywood. Scripts were by John Dixon Carr, Lucille Fletcher, James Poe, Ray Bradbury, many others. Running more than 20 years, suspense aired 
nearly a thousand radio broadcasts. And we have one for you now starring Eddie Cantor. And this is from Christmas, uh, I should say December 22nd, 1949. It's called Double Entry. And it's a very good Christmas story sponsored by Auto Light. Let's tune this in. Part one now of Suspense. Suspense. Autolite and its 96,000 dealers present Mr. Eddie Cantor in Double Entry, a suspense play produced and edited by William Spear. It always balances in the double entry system. If it don't, you hang around until it does. Yeah, even Christmas week. That's what I've been doing all my life, keeping books. It's fascinating, positively fascinating. Look at them figures. Beautiful, ain't they? Calligraphy, they call it. That's Greek for beautiful handwriting, you know. I bet in my day I've written billions of figures. Oh, hundreds of billions. And cash... Say, I've handled so much cash, my fingers are calloused. Why, once I even got water on the thumb from licking it to count money. <laughs> but so what? What's cash? You go along every day counting it, piling it up, never thinking who owns it, never even think about what it will buy. Handling cash is just the same as adding figures. A job. One day something happens that makes you look on things different. There's no excitement in an office, no danger, no heroism, no adventure. Not much chance to risk anything, to do something for a pal. So if a guy gets a chance to do a favor, to help out a pal who's in a jam, well, maybe you look on cash a little different. All of a sudden, cash is more than pieces of metal and bits of green paper. And if it's Christmas week, if it's Christmas Eve... And your pal is true blue, it's even more important. Eddie. Eddie, hand me that Dixie cup, will you? Your ulcer's bothering you again, Sam? Yeah, they're bad. These ledgers are driving me nuts. You got the wrong temperament for an accountant, Sam. You shouldn't let it get you down. Things can't go on like this, Eddie. What's the matter, Alice? Don't Alice understand you? No, 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 that's not what I mean, Eddie. What do you mean, Sam? He... You, you wouldn't understand it. Oh, you always say that, Sam. I'm an understanding guy. That's what Mabel says. Mabel says. You understand Mabel. Does she understand you? Certainly, perfectly. A man's wife has to understand him. If she don't, what good is she? Well, that's a nice way to look at it. If your wife understands you. Don't Alice understand you? You know Alice don't understand me. That's because you don't understand her. Will you shut up? Sometimes you... You're so smug. Oh, lay off, Sam. You can't go on like this. Like what? Grouchy all the time. Uh, you got something on your mind that Alice don't understand? Try me out. I won't throw no dishes at you. I, I can't tell you, Ed. It wouldn't matter anyway. You can't do nothing. Well, just telling your troubles helps sometime. Talk, Sam. Uh-uh. No. Talk, Sam. This is Eddie, your friend. Okay. Okay. It's the auditor's. Oh, them guys? Yeah. Don't let them worry you. You're head bookkeeper here, ain't you? You tell them. Don't let them tell you. I'm telling you, Eddie. They're getting awful close. 
What are you talking about? They're driving me nuts. Why, Sam? Eddie, I'm light. You mean... The books. They're light. They're short. You mean that... I'm a crook, Eddie. Yeah, an embezzler. And they're going to get me. Those auditors, they're on to me. I know they are. I can feel them getting closer and closer. Now, after nine years, they're on the trail, Ed. You a crook, Sam. I don't believe it. Oh, I wish I were dreaming. Why, Sam, you're the fair-haired boy around here. All you had to do was ask. Ask who? Bartholomew, that tight-fisted stuff. It's stubborn... Alice. She's to blame, I know. She wasn't satisfied with your salary. She wanted ermine, capes, diamonds, a box at the opera. I know she drove you to it, Sam. Don't blame her, Eddie. This one we can't blame on Alice. She doesn't even know anything about this caper. Well, if she didn't drive you to it, why'd you do it? All those kids on the block. They wanted to go to camp. Yeah, that's how it started, Eddie. With unknown benefactory. With, what, uh, you don't make sense, Sam. What do you, what It was you... just a hundred bucks or so at first. I figured to put it right back. Then the papers come out with unknown benefactor sends 20 kids to summer camp. Oh, that got me. That unknown benefactor. So that was you, huh? Yeah, yeah. And pretty soon I was, I was taking out a hundred bucks here, a hundred bucks there, sending it off to all sorts of people and outfits. I sent though to help the Institute for Aged Cats. Oh. Yeah, then, then I was an unknown contributor to help save vaudeville movement. And kids. I was always helping kids. A, a regular Scrooge. No, 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 no. S Santa Claus, Sam. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it made me feel great. Of course, I, I'd cover up on the books here with a fake entry, hoping I'd hit on the market and be able to put it all back, you know. Yeah, but you were always unable to make a recoup. Kept getting in deeper. Sam Crockett, an embezzler, and for nine years... Don't say it, Eddie. Nine years? How much did you take in all that time? A hundred thousand dollars and eleven cents. Where am I going to get that kind of money? I could dig up the 11 cents. Oh, wisecracks. That's all you're good for. Jail staring me in the face. What do you want me to say? What do you, you generally say? What do you generally say to your friend when he tells you he's a crook? I told you because... Well, because it feels good to get it off my chest. Nine years of hell. That's why you've been so nervous. That's where my ulcers come from. Every night working late, covering up. Sweating, worrying. Thinking of the ultimate end. The wall's closing in on me, Eddie. And now... Uh-oh. Uh -oh. Hello? Hello, yes? Yes, Mr. Ptolemyu. Send Crockett in? Okay. My master's voice. Ptolemyu wants to see you. Wag your tail, Fido. Wag it? I can't even drag it. Say, Eddie, didn't I see the auditors go in there a minute ago? Yeah. Yeah, come to think they did, Sam. This is it, kid. Merry Christmas. Maybe it's not, Sam. I got a feeling. I, I'm not scared, Eddie. No, no, it's, it's a relief. Now I'll sleep nights. Maybe my ulcer will clear up. Oh, but those kids. Those kids are going to take it hard when they read about their unknown benefactor doing time. A hundred grand. Holy. Wonder what he did with the 11 cents. Sales tax, I suppose. What a chump. Your name, Eddie? Yeah, what about it? What about it? I'm Fink Freeze. Mr. Flint said to drop in and see if you want to place a bet today. Flint who? What do you mean, Flint who? Mike Flint. Ain't your name, Eddie? Sure, but I never heard of Mike Flint. 
You got the wrong Eddie. My name's Sullivan. Oh, he didn't tell me no last name. How am I to know? He says look up Eddie in 411 Perry Trust Building. This is 511. Oh, for Pete's sake. Wait a minute. Huh? Wait. You say you take bets on horses? I'll take a bet on a camel if he's running a tropical park. Are you a bookie? Well, I ain't no taxidermist, pal. Say, I may be the right Eddie after all. Got any odds? Well, if, uh, if you're on the level, Eddie... You're in the business. Do I look like a stool pigeon? Okay, Eddie. Eh, I guess you're okay. Odds, huh? You want odds? Well, let's see. A tropical park? I can give you ten to one in the first race. Aleppo. Finished last in a field of nine. His only other start. Let's see the form. You see, odds is okay if you don't bet too heavy. Play odds like a side bet, Eddie. The thing to play is the jockey, not the horse. Now, you take Sylvester. Won three yesterday, two on Monday, one on Sunday. Oh, he's hot, very hot. He can ride any dog into the money. Uh, does he ride a long shot today? No, he's got two favorites and four short odds nags. He'll win, say, two races today, maybe three, one for Santa Claus. Say, here's a 50-to-one shot. Altruism. Altruism? I never heard of him. I got a hunch. Well, play it, play it. Always play hunches. Let's see who this altruism is. Uh-huh. Never raced before. Then how do you know he's no good? Well, I don't, but look who he's running against. War alarm, unbeaten in three starts. Test tube, last year's gold cup runner-up, and file clerk. Oh, say, there's a hunch for you, Eddie. I ain't no file clerk, and I'm playing altruism if you don't mind. Okay, Eddie, okay. Just give me your two bucks. Is that all I can bet? Well, no, Eddie, but, gee, I don't want to play you for a sucker. How about two grand? Oh, why don't you tie that bull to a fence? Will you take two grand on altruism? On the level, Eddie? Sure as tonight's Christmas Eve. Where would you get that kind of dough? Borrow it from the boss. Well, I'll have to get Flint's okay. Let me use your phone, huh? Go ahead. Two grand. Oh, well, that's not stage money, Eddie. Neither is a hundred grand. Could you pay off? Well, sure. Flint will cover any bet I make. Hello. Uh, give me Flint. See, this Flint is a very smart cookie. Maybe he don't want... Oh, hello, Mike. Uh, this is Fink. Look, there's a man has got 2,000 bucks he wants to put on an ad called Altruism in the third of Tropical. The odds are 50 to 1. How about it? Uh-huh. Yeah, but if he wins, Mike... Uh, well, sure, I'm a gambler, but 50 to... Hey! Hm, guy hung up. All right, there's the Mike Estella telephone hang-up or door slam, right? Same thing. Yeah. All right, that is the first portion of Suspense. Double entry from December 22nd, 1949, starring Eddie Cantor. We'll get back to that in just a few moments. But now it is time for another Brad Pitt movie clip. This is going back to 2009, an adventure war drama. Actually, when we're all tickled to hear you say that. Quite frankly, watching Donnie beat Nazis to death is close we ever get to going to the movies. Donnie! Yeah! Gosh, German here wants to die for the country. Oblige him. All right, what movie is that right there, Lisa? I think we actually saw this movie. Together, did we not? We did. We had a big party, yes, right? we did. At an IPIC theater out in Barrington. Yes. And we had a bunch of people, a bunch of listeners, I think, too. You and Dan came, right? Right. And I had a bunch of people, and we watched this movie along with our listeners. Here it is again, 2009 adventure drama war movie. Actually, we're all tickled to hear you say that. Quite frankly, watching Donnie beat Nazis to death is the closest we ever get to going to the movies. Donnie! Yeah! Gosh, German here wants to die for country. 
Oblige him. All right, if you know what Brad Pitt movie that is, give us a call. Toll free, 855-360-H360. The H is a 4, 855-360-H360. Toll free number, call now, phone lines are open, and you may win some fabulous prizes. Lisa Wolf, Mike Costella, myself, uh, all of these old-time radio shows will return after these words. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Brought to you by Reader's Digest. All right, welcome back to the show. I'm Carl Amari. Lisa Wolf is here as well. Don't forget, we have a website, Hollywood 360. Radio.com. Check it out. We have a podcast there, right, Lisa? Yes, every Monday. Uh, it'll be up. Yeah. We take this show, the new show, and put it up every Monday on our home page. And not only do you get all four hours of Hollywood 360, but you also get a bonus hour of classic radio. So you get five hours. So just check out our podcast at our home page. Hollywood360radio.com. There's no cost. It's absolutely free. Just go there. Tune it in. All right, here is a Brad Pitt movie from 2009. Actually, when we're all tickled to hear you say that, quite frankly, watching Donnie beat Nazis to death is as close as we ever get to going to the movies. Donnie! Yeah! Guy's German here wants to die for country. Oblige him. All right, let's uh, check in with Paula. Hi, Paula. How are you? Uh, great. You're playing a show from December 22nd, so I called in because that's my birthday. Oh, <laughs> December, 22nd. December 22nd. Really fantastic, Paula. Mm-hmm. Oh, very, very hip. cool. Nice. Well, yeah, well, your birthday's December. coming up. Happy birthday, Paula. Yeah, happy early birthday from us, from Lisa and I. And so what movie is this? Inglorious Bastard. It is. And uh, Paula knows her movies, Lisa. Yeah, Paula, are you a movie buff, huh? Pretty much. Yeah, she knows her stuff. Hey, Paula, great talking to you. My uh, crabby brother will send you some fun prizes, okay? Okay, don't be crabby. I know, I'll tell him. Thanks, Paula. Nice to hear from you, Paula. Thank you. Uh, You too. Merry Christmas. Uh, Paula knew it, Lisa Wolf. Uh, she said Happy Hanukkah to you, by I the like way. I Paula. Happy Hanukkah to all of uh, our listeners as well, and Merry Christmas. Okay, so there's a little trivia. Again, did my oh, homework. Okay. Did my homework. Good, good. Directed by Quentin Tarantino. This had Brad Pitt, Diane Kruger, who's just awesome in it, Eli Roth, and Christoph Waltz, who, of course, won an Academy Award for this. Christoph Waltz's character speaks the most different languages in the movie. Four. He speaks English, French, German, and Italian. I wonder if he can actually speak that in, in, in real I life. I think he can, actually, yeah. yeah. I do, and he, uh, as I say, he won an Academy Award for this, and then he won an Academy Award for Django, or Django. De Django, Django however Unchained. you want to say it, Unchained, yeah. Right. So he won Academy Awards in two of Quentin Tarantino's movies. All right, let's get back now to Eddie Cantor starring in Suspense. Funny guy, this Clint. Am I a gambler, he says. Well, okay, Eddie, we'll play two grand on altruism's nose for you, okay? Well, all right, but... It's a lot of dough to hand over to someone I never saw before. Well, I never saw you before either, mister. Yeah, but what chance are you taking? Look, quit stalling, Eddie. Are you betting or not? Okay. Wait till I get the money. Here it is. A thousand. Eleven hundred. Two, three, four, five. 
Six, seven, eight, nine, and ten. Makes two thousand dollars. Thanks, Eddie. <laughs> what you shaking for? Is this your life savings or something? No, no, no. This, there's lots more where this came from. Oh, of course, of course. You're independently wealthy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's it, Fingy. You're, you're, I mean, you're a card. Oh, card. Oh, <laughs> gee, I almost forgot. Here's my card, and here's your ticket. Now, hang on to it. Might be worth a hundred grand. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Fing, I, uh, uh. Hey, you all right? You look kind of green. You've just been looking at too much dough, Fink. Uh, maybe. Now, you drop around this afternoon about three. The address is on the card. Your dog is running in. Goodbye, altruism. So long, Fink. So long, Eddie. Hello? Sullivan, this is Mr. Bartholomew. Yes, sir. Speak up. Yes, sir. That's better, Sullivan. Sullivan, I want you to send a nice new $100 bill to the 2nd Street Mission. Put it in a plain envelope and don't write anything with it. Oh, uh, wrap it in a piece of paper so no one will know what it is at the, the post office. I want to send a nice little anonymous gift as a surprise. A nice, crisp hundred-dollar bill. Yes, sir, Mr. Bartholomew. Second Street Mission. I may send them a little something myself later. Yeah. Eddie. Eddie, it's okay. I got by. What? Up clear. That auditor missed it. What's the matter? Aren't you glad? You mean you ain't going to jail? Oh, not this year. Are you sure, Sam? Positive, Eddie. The auditors are through. Not a chance of getting caught. Not a chance, Sam? Not a chance, Eddie. There could be a slip-up. No, 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 there couldn't. What's the matter with you? Aren't you glad for me? Sure. Look, already I'm doing handsprings. Oh, boy, oh, boy. Of course, it, it doesn't solve things completely. You said it. I'm still short, but that's okay. Oh, sure. I'll think of something. I got a whole year. No more unknown benefactors, though. I'm very glad. Eddie, I, I don't quite get it, though. Bartholomew buttering me up. He says, we know everything is in good shape, Sam. No use putting these auditors to any more trouble. Just have them check the cash on hand, and that'll wind it up. The cash? Yeah. Sam, hand me that Dixie cup by the typewriter. Hey, sure. You dry? Very. How are you going to get the hundred grand back in the books? Oh, I don't know. Why? Maybe I can raise some dough. Ah, uh, you couldn't raise a Venetian blind. But what are you worrying for? I'm out of a jam. And I'm in. What, what are you... What's, what's on your mind? Just two or three years, that's all. And now I suppose you're going to tell me you've been swiping postage stamps. Oh, no, no, no. Nothing as bad as that. Look, I'm your pal, Sam. Sure. I'd do anything for you. Then talk sense. I hated to think of you in Sing Sing for six months, Sam, so... I'm going there myself for a few years. What do you say? I took 2,000 bucks and bet it on a 50 to 1 shot at Tropical Park, Sam. No. Yes. No. Yes, I did it. Yes. Oh, no. Oh, yes. No, tell me you're kidding me, Eddie. I did it for you, Sam, for Christmas. What? A guy don't get a chance to prove his friendship very often. Friendship? You talk of friendship at a time like this? We're both as good as in Sing Sing right now. And me the longest. I hope so. Of all the dumb tricks. And you didn't make any entries, huh? No, no. Just took it. Just... Eddie. Eddie, how'd you come to bet on a horse? You never made a bet. What bookies do you know? Here. Here's his card. He just happened in by accident. A truck should just happen by accident to run over you. Maybe he'd give it back, Sam. Oh, sure. Sure. Bookies are that way. Philanthropists. All of them. Besides, there's probably no such address as this. Oh, don't be hard on me, Sam. After all, I risked my own neck to save yours. No greater love. And maybe this horse will win. A 50 to 1? Well? Let, let me see that card. Let, all we can do is try and get the dough back. He was awful nice, Sam. Oh, shut up. Nice. 
Look, fake an entry in the books, then we'll pay Mr. Fink Freeze a call. Friendship. Yeah, friendship. We're in this together, pal. Bringing you Mr. Eddie Cantor in Double Entry. Tonight's production in radio's outstanding theater of thrills, Suspense. On the subway up to the bookie's place, I didn't say a word. I just stared at the ads and kept thinking of how I'd mess things up and wondering what Sam was thinking. The window we sat near had bars on it, and I felt I was already in jail. Well, we got to the bookies. It was a great big large room. is now fast at Tropical Park. Ah, well, well, if it ain't the millionaire bookkeeper. Hi, Eddie. Oh, oh, hello there, Fink. Welcome to our humble joint. Of course, it ain't like Hialeah. Oh, but it's but... as close to it as we can get in New York, I know. <laughs> this is Sam Crockett, Fink, my friend. Oh, glad to meet uh... you, Mr. Crockett. Smart man you got working with you. Uh... He's going to make himself a pile of dough this afternoon, aren't you, Eddie? <laughs> look, look, fella, th- this is all a mistake. Huh? Eddie had no business betting $2,000 on a horse. The fact is, it wasn't his money. Well, I am surprised. You see, he was trying to help someone. So he, took... he helped himself to 2000 bucks, huh? Fink... Think, give us a break and return the money. We'll, we'll both go to jail if we don't put it back. Scratch low boy number six. I'm very sorry, fellas, but I can't do nothing. I've turned in the dough. I just work here. I can't get that back. Oh, you've got to help us, Fink. Look, I'd like to, Crockett, but how can I? This is a business. Now, supposing I ask the boss. He says it's a contract. He can't back out, neither can you. Where would we be if we asked you to take your money back? Yeah, but don't you see we'll go to Sing Sing Two Fink. Two minutes to post time for the third at Tropical Place. Your bets now, man. Yeah, maybe those bills were counterfeit. You could tell the cashier the dough's no good, huh? Now, how can I, Eddie? He can spot a phony from 50 yards. Look, Fink, huh? the auditors are checking our books now. All I can say is I'm very sorry, and I hope this nag wins uh, for you. But I can't do a thing about in it. In the third. Oh, we're sunk, Eddie. I'm really sorry, boys. I should have known better than to take your dough. He sounded like he meant it to him. So what? Come on, let's go. Ain't you interested in hearing the race over the loudspeaker? No. Well, I am. It's me who started this. I'm going to get my money's worth. Tropical in the third, a correction. Sylvester is riding altruism. Did you hear that, Sam? You mean we get a jockey? Now, don't be funny. This guy, Sylvester, is hot. He's winning two or three races a day. They're away at 317. They're off, Sam. I got ears. Oh, gosh. At the quarter, it's Warlarm, Dive Bomber, Calumetal, Dunin, Westwood O, File Clerk, Valiant Ned, Mashy, Niblick, Timid Soul, Golden West, Test 2, Box, and Block, Early Riser, and... uh, Altruism. <laughs> no wonder you got 50 to 1. There's 50 horses. That's not a race. It's a caravan. Last place. Now, are you satisfied? Okay, Sam, let's go. Seabiscuit couldn't win in a crowd like that unless he cut across the infield. Oh, you sure pick him. Come on. What are you waiting for? I'm not waiting. Quit pushing me. Am I pushing you? Shh, listen, listen. Valiant net by a length. War alarm a second. Test tube is third. Dive bomber fourth, done in, Calumet Powell, Westwood Ho, file clerk, timid soul, Golden West, early riser, mashy nipply, altruism, and uh, auction block has dropped out. That nag is taking the pause that refreshes. Well, he's come up. 
If enough drop out, he can win. Yeah, the race would have to last two days, huh? Why didn't they run it in heats? Well, might as well hang around till the end, huh, Sam? Well, I, I guess stretch. so. It's... Valiant Ned is still leading by a length. Test tube is second. Warrel Arm is third. And coming up is altruism. Did he say altruism? He, he, he said it. Get the results. Hey, Porky, how about the finish? Coming over to line up. Sylvester! Sylvester, ride, boy, ride, uh, ride. No, don't wring your hands. It's too late to pray. The race is over. Who's the winner? Who's the How winner? Oh, I know. The wire is always a minute behind. But Eddie, we've got a chance. Christmas comes but once a year. That's too close for comfort. Oh, why did Flint let me take that bet? The winner of the third of tropical is altruism. No, no, my horse. No. Yours, mine. He won. He won. Sam, he won. No, he won. He won, Eddie. Well, am I a chump now? You're a champ, Eddie, a champ. Oh, it was nothing, Sam. Only a sap could do it. Thanks, Sam. Holy smoke, this does it. You think I almost forgot. You got to fork over the money. Yeah, that just about busts this joint. Look, how about calling it off? Calling the... Remember what you said about contracts? Well, yeah, if I'd have known they were switching Sylvester on that door. Come on, when do we get paid off? Well, right now, Crockett. Come on over to the cashier. Cash? Do we have to take cash? Oh, absolutely. Here, give me your ticket. Here. Now, here's the cashier at this window. One hundred grand, Speed. Look, the cashier don't bat an eye. I'm going to take the money. The cops! What? It's a race! How will I do? Grab that cashier! He's going out the back door! Well, the cops jugged everyone in the place. Fink and the other gamblers got away with the hundred grand, and we had to wait until Christmas morning for a hearing, but every silver lining has a rip in it. Oh, I don't see how they got away. Oh, am I sore. We sit here in the can, and they're off with all that dope. We were framed, Sam. The whole thing was planned. Oh, you're crazy. How'd Fink know altruism would win? You can't turn on a police raid like, uh, like a shower bath. Well, how are we ever going to find those guys? We won't. And if we do, it won't do us any good. Because you haven't got the ticket anymore. And even if you had, you couldn't force them to pay because bookmaking isn't legal. It's gambling. Keep on. I love to hear your ultra talk. Oh. And it fits so nicely with these surroundings. Yeah. Well, we might as well get used to it. We'll be living in quarters like this for some time. Quiet, Sam. Here comes the keeper. Hmm? And he's got Fink with him. Good. He deserves to be in jail, the dirty... Hello, bo- Eddie. I got something for you. I'm sorry. I'm just not interested in tips at all. Oh, no, Eddie. You don't understand. I just come to say Merry Christmas. And this, this is for you, Eddie. For me? What is that? Open it, Eddie. Oh, yeah? Look, Sam, 2,000 bucks. 2,000 bucks? That's right. That's all I got. It's my own dough. Mike Flint blew town, so this is the best I can do, Eddie. Oh, gee. Gee, thanks, Fink. Thanks, you're a prince. Just call him Santa Claus. So there I was, back where I started, at scratch. All I had to do was to put the dough back in the cash drawer. They made us pay a $10 fine, and we got home in time for Christmas dinner. The next morning, we took the subway downtown... Sam read the paper, and I just stared at the ads as usual. Eddie, quite a story about altruism. Picture of Sylvester. Just a kid, 19, 
Weighs 105. Look at that ad. It says to spell it backwards. If they want you to read it that way, why didn't they turn it around? Yeah. Eddie, look. I don't know why they... Uh, what is it? Who? What is it, Sam? Look, this picture. It's Bartholomew. Where? They've arrested him. What for? Embezzlement, Eddie. But that's you, Sam. Listen to this. Bartholomew confessed to having embezzled company funds to the tune of a quarter of a million dollars when auditors discovered a shortage in cash of $2,000. So that's why he was hurrying those guys around. Let me look, see. Look. What a business. Everyone in it is a crook. Hey, Sam. Sam, where you going? Back to the police station. I'm giving myself up. Giving yourself up? But, Sam... No, Betty. I'd never sleep again if I escape scot-free. Besides, I'd like to get away from Alice for six months. But, Sam... When nobody was looking, I slipped the 2,000 bucks back into the cash drawer. And Sam, well, Sam went to the police and gave himself up. But guess what? They didn't want him. They already had their man. Sam wrote out a confession, offered to show them the books, but they just laughed at him. Called him a publicity seeker. He pleaded with them, but it was no use. Even Bartholomew called him a fool. Imagine Sam fought for the right to go to prison, and they laughed at him. Then he went to the newspapers, even to the district attorney, explaining what he'd done with the money. But they wouldn't believe him either. That's the thing that finally broke Sam's heart. No one would believe that he was the famous unknown benefactor. They told him, go on, Santa Claus, go back to your reindeer. Sam, Sam would have preferred a few quiet months in Sing Sing breaking rocks. He could have got rid of his ulcers... He would have got away from Alice, but no. Hey, Eddie, hand me that Dixie cup, will you? Your ulcers bothering you again, Sam? Yeah, yeah, something awful. Keeping Ledger straight is driving me nuts. Oh, Sam. Suspense, presented by Autolite. Tonight's star, Eddie Cantor with Sidney Miller. Well, Eddie, suspense is a far cry from your Sunday night take-it-or-leave-it show. Oh, not so far. There's a lot of suspense when we get to the $64 question. Well, to make you feel at home here, Eddie, I've prepared a question for you to ask me. I'll bet I know the category, batteries. What else? All right. Where's the question? Right here on this slip of paper. Let's see. It reads, is there anything that uses less water than an Autolite staple battery? Now, isn't that a silly question to ask you, Harlow? Yes, it is, Eddie. The answer is so obvious. Why, Autolite stay full batteries need water only three times a year in normal car use. Any more questions? No, Eddie, and thank you. Remember, you're always right with Autolite. And friends, once again, Merry Christmas to all, and to all, good night. Next Thursday for Suspense, Ida Lupino will be our star. The play is called The Bullet, and it is, as we say... A tale well calculated to keep you in... Suspense. Tonight's Suspense play was produced and edited by William Spear and directed by Norman MacDonald. Music for Suspense is composed by Lucian Morawieck and conducted by Lud Bluskin. Double Entry is an original radio play by Robert Minton. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. All right, that's a tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. December 22nd, 
1949 double entry starring Eddie Cantor. Also, uh, a great voice there, Paul Freeze doing the announcing. And last week we heard Paul Freeze in Back for Christmas on Escape. Remember that? With Hermione. Remember that, Lisa? I do. We were talking about that one. Yeah, Paul <laughs> Freeze uh, was the announcer on this, along with Harlow Wilcox, sponsored by Autolite, is heard on CBS. All right, let's take a break. Then it's more here on Hollywood 360. Are you a fan of classic radio? Shows like Abbott and Costello. What's the guy's name on first base? No, what is on second base? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who's on first? One base at a time. Well, up- Gunsmoke. I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Inner Sanctum. This is your host to welcome you in through the squeaking door. Fibber McGee and Molly. What day is this? Oh, no, let me see. This, dearie, is our 15th wedding anniversary. And many more. As a thank you for listening to this show, we want to give you 10 of the best classic radio shows of all time absolutely free. Just log on to Hollywood360radio.com to get them today. You'll receive complete episodes of Sam Spade, Escape, Fibber McGee and Molly, Suspense, Abbott and Costello, Inner Sanctum, X-1, Gunsmoke, Our Miss Brooks, and Lights Out. Just log on to Hollywood360radio.com. And receive your 10 free classic radio shows today. That's Hollywood360radio.com. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Brought to you by Reader's Digest. Well, next week, more Christmas programming. The Jack Benny program, Rocky Fortune, Screen Directors Playhouse, and Dragnet. From my co-host Lisa Wolf, executive producer Mike Costella, national movie critic Sarah Adamson. Vince and Chris Lombardi, my crabby brother Vince Amari, Adam West, and me, Carl Amari. Thank you all very much for tuning in. Stay safe. We'll see you next time. Hollywood 360 with host Carl Amari is brought to you by Reader's Digest. To learn more about Hollywood 360 or to contact us, visit our website at hollywood360radio.com. Adam West speaking.